everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Pokemon Snapshot. Tyler, we made it to episode two. I cannot believe it. And we actually had people listen to us, too. I know. We were not canceled. We are still here, and today we're going to be talking about Pokemon Emergency, the second ever episode of the Pokemon anime. But before we get started, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we are now on Spotify, uh, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Apple Podcasts. In fact, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please go and give us a five-star review. It will help our podcast to be more noticed. Now, now, just to jump in there, I mean, it doesn't necessarily need to be a five-star review if you thought it was like four-star performance. But if it was anything lower than that, just keep your comments and opinions to yourself. Yeah, we, d we just want to get this to as many Pokemon fans out there as we can. Yeah. Are we ready to get into the episode? There's no intro, big intro this time around because we told about our Pokemon backgrounds. So let's just get into the episode. Okay. And also, please, if you do actually have a one-star review, don't, like, go in and one-star me because I said that, you know, out of spite or anything like that. You know, you just do it. You just do whatever you want. Just make sure that you're, you know... Doing, doing something. Um, as I said at the beginning, this is episode two, Pokemon Emergency. In Japan, it was called Showdown Pokemon Center. That is a much better name. Like, it really was, I didn't really get too big of a sense of emergency. Like, they mentioned, you know, it was an emergency several times, but it was like, I wasn't feeling it. No, it, I mean, I guess because Pikachu was hurt, but we'll get into that. So, this episode aired on April 8th, 1997 in Japan, and then on September 9th, 1998 in the United States. And Tyler, when I was looking through this, something I didn't realize, we did very spot on at, on starting our podcast at about the 22nd anniversary. We did. It would have been better if it was the 20th, but uh, I'll take it. I was just editing, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. We started around the same time this was not planned either no it was not in fact like many things jeff and i do there was very little planning involved <laughs> so tyler let's get into the episode bring us through what what happened okay so we're gonna start off in viridian city with the police officer warning the town over loudspeaker that pokemon thieves have shown up in the area we must look out for suspicious strangers, she says. And this, and it is, and it is at this point that uh, Ash is spotted running into the city with a wounded Pikachu. She obviously believes that he is, in fact, stealing this Pokemon. Which makes no sense because a ten-year-old boy running in with a hurt Pokemon. How does that look suspicious? Isn't that what's supposed to go on in this world? I mean, in this world, I do feel like it would, would draw some attention if, like, say, somebody had, like, a wounded, like, animal and they're just, like, sprinting into a city. I feel like, like, running down the interstate or something. I guess. And it also, Pikachu isn't in a Pokeball, so that may be, that may also what raise some red flags. Why is he carrying this Pokemon? Could he not get him in a Pokeball? And what happened to it? Yeah, it, it looked pretty beat up. So Ash, of course, when questioned, explains that this is that he is taking his Pokemon to the hospital. The police officer, of course, accepts his explanation at face value, showing her superior police skills, and asks, but then decides to ask Ash for an ID. And of course, he says that he doesn't have it because, as per usual, Ash does not appear to actually know what's going on at any point. Yeah, and also I I put a note in here that's saying that also. Professor Oak, his mother, someone could have told him that was his ID. I mean, 
learn in our world learning to drive you learn pretty quickly that your driver's license is your id yeah and i mean watching the series as an adult i've just kind of determined that we are going to be seeing a lot of parenting fails coming from this i never picked up on it as a kid you'd think i would have uh but uh, unfortunately i just never did and i i just we're we're two episodes in and i already would have long done been called cps on this woman yeah and uh, another interesting fact here is you see a background for the poster of the Pokemon Thieves. That is true, you do. Uh, their names are not revealed to us yet. And Ash looks like nothing. Nothing. He looks nothing like them, so... No. So how... No. In fact, they she, are adults. They are adults, or I think later on we find out they're like 16. Ash is 10. You see a 10-year-old versus a 16-year-old. I never knew that. They're only supposed to be 16? Yeah. What is going on in this world? It's like, what? what is this? Like, one of these, like, pre-agrarian pre societies where people, like, live to 40 or something? Like, what's going on with all these, like, kids living adult lives? Yeah. But Ash looks nothing like them, which shows that Jenny, Officer Jenny, who you didn't reveal her name, but she is. She's Officer Jenny. You will find that... Every town has an Officer Jenny, and they look exactly alike, but they're not all siblings. Interesting. Okay. Uh, some will say, oh, it's my cousin in Viridian City, or how do they all look alike if they're not, you know, siblings? I mean, I don't know. We, we are in a world of mystical fighting animals that get sucked into Pokeballs. I think that uh, Crazy's uh, long gone in this one. Like, you know, it's just one of those things we're going to have to deal with, I think. Uh, but after um, ID or after she explains that without an ID, um, and the fact that Pikachu is in a Pokeball, she has no idea whether or not he's stealing the Pokemon. So we've kind of like wrapped back around. So at first she's like, "All right, I don't believe you're the thief," and then she's like, "Oh, you don't have an ID? You're probably the thief." But at this point, fortunately for Ash, she spots a Pokedex, opens it, and it gives all of his information. Ash did not know this. Um, he admits that he did not know this. He's like, oh, I didn't know that. You'd be, I feel like that would be in the orientation. Like, you have to believe that, you know, in the days leading up to him going on this grand adventure that somebody at some point would have mentioned that he could, in fact, use his Pokedex for this purpose. I mean, he did show up late, so pr Professor Oak was probably just like, let's just send him with this Pikachu, and here's your Pokedex. And as he's leaving, he's like, I feel like I'm forgetting something. <laughs> Probably. Probably. So, uh, but fortunately, this, this clears up the issue with the policewoman without incident, and she uh, takes Ash to the Pokemon Center uh, very quickly because of the wounded state of Pikachu. Um, as they're doing this, they blow by Misty, who is carrying her destroyed bike down the highway. Um, so that's a good time. Ash is really shaping up to just be a quality human being. Also, you didn't mention that she brought Ash to the Pokemon Center on the sidecar of her, I won't call it a motorcycle, more like a moped. That's true. It wasn't, it wasn't a sidecar. I, yeah, definitely. And, um, she, and as she gets there, she drives right up to the front desk. That's true. She does. Um, but before that happens, we do have a situation where we cut to the introduction of the legendary, the ruthless, the evil Team Rocket. And it shows two, apparently 16-year-olds, uh, sitting in a hot air balloon. That's an interesting mode of travel. It feels like, you know, that would not be a super great mode of travel, considering you would actually have to have somebody on the ground to help you when you arrive somewhere. But again, 
cannot go too deep into analyzing uh, the Ill- Ill- uh, the illogical you know situations going on in the show, um, but they're admiring it, and um, they then claim that these bumpkins, or they will show these bumpkins as they call it. And I'm not exactly sure what they mean by that because they're like looking at their own wanted posters and they're like, oh, we're going to show these bumpkins. But clearly at this point, it's pretty clear that they already kind of know what they're up to, and that is stealing Pokemon. And so I'm not sure what they're planning on showing them, but they definitely make a point of that. And then it flashes away to the police car. Um, As Jeff mentioned, the police... Going back about their stealing Pokemon, they're specifically trying to steal rare Pokemon. That's true. Rare Pokemon. In the first Pokemon Center that most trainers come to. That is true. Which doesn't seem like a super uh, positive plan. But that's that's what they were doing. So we cut back to Ash and the police officer. She says, hold on for this tricky maneuver. And then drives directly into the lobby of the Pokemon Center. Not sure why this was necessary. Most hospitals, at least in this world, uh, do have an emergency like lane that you can pull into in front of an ER of some sort. But apparently she's just she just sort of can do whatever she wants to do. Um, when you, When you're a police force of one, I guess. Yeah, and we were talking about this earlier, too, how she's, like, rocking these, like, giant high heels on the job, which doesn't seem like it's it would be a super great uniform. So I just kind of get the feeling that this officer does what she wants when she wants. She's a force to be reckoned with and cannot be told uh, no in any situation because she apparently can wander around town in a non-issued uniform. You have to imagine it's probably non-issued and then is just, you know, driving her vehicle into random buildings. Yeah, and Nurse Joy does mention that. Why didn't you just use the parking lot? She does mention that, and uh, yeah, the the police officer. I don't recall exactly what she says right after that, but it probably it didn't. I don't recall it being a very good answer to that question. Why she drove in the lobby, we will probably never know. She's just lucky that door opened on time. That's true. <laughs> she was could have been going fast enough, went right through the door. Though, as we'll find out later, it might not have mattered. Um, so, uh, then the Pokemon Center promises to heal Pikachu, and the nurse, of course, scolds Ash for letting his Pokemon get that banged up. Um, Ash is told to go to the waiting room while Pikachu is brought into the back for treatment, and waiting then ensues. She told him not to let his Pokemon get into that condition, but I feel like that's the point of this world. You attack a Pokemon until they faint. Exactly. And you know what? Pikachu wasn't even quite fainted yet. He was making like little noises and whining and stuff. Yeah, he he still he had a sliver of hit points left. Yeah, he was probably sitting at what a one or a two, but he was still there. He was good to go. I've definitely rolled into Pokemon centers in my own games uh, with entire teams of wiped out Pokemon. Of course, only early in the game, because later in the game, you'd be a giant rookie if you did that. But you know what I mean? I mean, but Nurse Joy never scolded you, did she? No, she did not. Nobody ever questioned me either. They're just like, oh, here you are. Also, do you love how in the games Nurse Joy goes, hope to see you here again? Yeah, I know, right? Like, just expecting. It's like, yeah, you're going to go out there and get your animals severely harmed. They obviously don't have free health care because she needs to make that money. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so while Ash is in the waiting room, he decides that he is going to go up to this really sweet phone computer thingy and call his mother. Well, that's nice of him, calling his mother. 
Yes, exactly. One thing I wanted to talk about here, though, are video calls. Like, I I remember watching this being 10 years old, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like, I wanted something like that, but I didn't think technology would ever be able to show that. It was just, like, this future technology that I would never see in my lifetime. And look, Tyler, we are literally talking to each other over video. I know it's awful. I miss I miss the good old days where you could just, you know, have short little conversations with people on the phone and go, oh, my God, I'm so busy. I got to go now. See you later. And then you don't actually have to see the disappointment on their faces. It's like some sorry, Grandma, but I talked to you like last month. Also, also something I wanted to bring up is when Ash's mom shows up on the video. Well, before she shows up, she's wearing a bathrobe and a face massage and a face mask. And it's almost like. She, as soon as Ash left on his adventure, she's like, finally, some peace and quiet. Now I can have all my me time. Yeah, because you know Ash was a hard kid to handle. You could tell from the uh, first episode when she comes into the room looking like she just got home from work after a long day. And it's like, please, for the love of all that is good, why are you not in bed yet kind of a thing. And then, of course, he gives her back sass, which still sort of upsets me when I think back on and, uh, yeah, I just feel like him being gone. He's been gone for, what, 12 hours at this point, tops? It doesn't actually explain it, but it's still daylight. It's still the same day, so. Yeah, so, uh, you know, clearly she wasted no time getting that spa treatment. And good for her, because she deserves that for putting up with that kid. I put up with him for five minutes before he left, and I was already tired of his, of his stuff. So, um, Ash explains that he's in the Pokemon Center in Viridian City, And his mother just sort of ignores the fact that he is, in fact, at the hospital. He's been gone less than a day. He's already at the hospital. And um, she then explains how excited she is that he's already in Viridian City. Because Ash's father took four whole days to get there, and it only took him one day. It's like, yeah, because he seems to be doing so great. You know, getting to this first town, he's already in a hospital. Which brings up the point, what did Ash's father do? I don't know. Four days is a... I mean, literally, it was like going down the road. What was he doing for four days? Yeah. I mean, if you play the games, it starts out that Professor Oak sends you on a, a mission to go get the this parcel for him. You you literally walk to Viridian City, go back to Pallet Town to give P- Professor Oak the package, and then you go back to Viridian City. Yeah. Like, it's not a long distance. Like, I don't know what he was doing for four days. Um, but also speaking of Ash's dad, uh, this is the only episode in which any of Ash's male relatives are mentioned. His mother mentions that it took his father four days to reach Viridian City, as you said, and that Ash is the apple of his eye. Which means he's still around. He's not dead or anything. Which makes you wonder why Ash doesn't try to call him. Exactly. Where is he? Why does Ash not call him? Um, why, why is Ash convinced that he is a failure, which he starts immediately whining as seems to be something Ash does. In fact, in a lot of anime, that seems to be the big thing that the male protagonist does is whine about stuff. Just insufferable whining. Uh, and then, uh, in the Japanese version, his mother, Delia, mentions Ash's grandfather as well. I don't know what she says about it. I did not have that information, but she does mention his grandfather. Interesting. only episode where his male relatives are mentioned. Well, I say that it is pretty safe to say that the uh, dynamic of this family has gotten even more complicated. We're two episodes in. We've got missing male relatives who apparently are still alive. 
Uh, Ash is in no way trying to contact them, nor they contacting him. You feel like his dad would maybe like come to his big, like, wow, you're 10, we're going to give you a wild animal and send you on this mystical journey. You feel like he'd show up for that. It's like the equivalent of your own parents not coming to your like graduation or your wedding or something like that. You think that his dad would show up and actually give him a Pokemon that, because he's been on this journey, yeah. I mean... Looking at other people, it's obviously you don't have to start with one of the starting Pokemon from Professor Oak. This is true. And so, yeah, there's just a lot of unanswered questions here, and I'm really hoping, I don't think we will be able to get to it, but I'm really hoping that at some point they kind of explain all of this, uh, because I am definitely curious to hear what's going on here. I mean, the good the dude takes the dude four days to travel like 30 feet down the road, uh, not present in his own child's life, and yet Ash of course, is still worried about disappointing him. Isn't that sad and touching and just horrible all around? But anyway, Ash then hangs up and realizes that there is a large mural in the lobby uh, containing several legendary Pokemon. Did you notice how quickly Ash's mom wanted to get off this call? I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, she's like, oh, great, that's great. Oh, bye, honey, see ya. She wanted to get back to her spa day, I'm pretty sure. Well, I mean, I mean, good lord, the kid hasn't been gone even, what, within the same day. Like, and he's already calling from a hospital and whining about stuff again. Well, that's what I think happened. She, her, it took his dad four days to get there, so she was probably thinking she had four days of peace and quiet. That's probably true, and boy, was she wrong, because he's already calling. Uh, but anyway, they see this giant, like, mural, and he recognizes a Pokemon on the mural that he spotted the day before. Yeah, but but the thing is, he was pointing to the wrong Pokemon. So, on the wall of the Pokemon Center, the engravings are of Arcanine, Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres. So, when he thought he was pointing at Ho-Oh, he was actually pointing at Articuno. Ah, Okay. Interesting. Uh, and do you know why Arcanine is also there? Because he's he's not really a legendary Pokemon. No, I don't know why. I actually wondered that, though. So, remember when I told you last episode that each Pokemon has a typing that's not like their element? Yes. Like Pikachu's the mouse Pokemon? Sure. Uh, well, doing some research, I found out they actually call that their category, and Arcanine falls under the category of the legendary Pokemon. Oh, interesting. So that's why they got him up on the wall then. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, as Ash is looking at this mural, all of a sudden the phone in the lobby of the hospital starts to ring. So, Tyler, what do you do when a phone is in a waiting room and it starts to ring and it's behind the front desk? Jeff, I don't answer the phone when my own cell phone starts ringing in my pocket. So there is little to no chance that I'm answering a random phone in a hospital in a hospital like lobby either. He could have been filed with a HIPAA complaint or something. I know, right? I, I, that that was definitely weird. But when he picks up the phone, it is Professor Oak. He said that he spoke to Ash's mother, so it appears Ash's mother must have immediately called him. And he, too, was surprised that Ash has made it to Verizian City, which also explains everyone else. But he also then explains that everyone else already made it there as well. So clearly not that impressive, but for some reason it seems everybody's impressed that Ash managed to pull it off which therefore leads me to believe that they all think he is incompetent. Well, Oak did say something along the lines, man, with that wild Pikachu, I'm surprised you made it that far. So I think Oak was expecting the Pikachu to, him to be chasing Pikachu all over before he got there. That's probably true. 
Um, but uh, clearly, regardless of the reasons or motives why, Professor Oak thought he was doomed from the start. In fact, he mentions afterwards uh, that he b actually bet Gary $1 million that he would not catch a Pokemon by the time he got to Viridian City. And then there's like an awkward pause where Ash is kind of like, yeah, you know, well, I didn't actually do it. And then Oak uh, becomes disappointed that he made this bet. And what is the currency in Pokemon again? I can't remember off the top of my head. So they use polka dollars, but it's kind of just based off of the Japanese yen. Okay, because he does he mentions dollars, and I did not remember. But one, but even if you did yen, one million Pokemon, one million yen, that is still a hundred thousand dollars. That was still a pretty big. That was a pretty big bet. I don't think he's actually going to give him that money. Uh, but I I bet Oak's rolling in some change. But I don't think he's going to give his grandson Gary that kind of a money, that kind of money uh, over something that it seems everybody thought was fairly obvious. Uh, but fortunate. This does show that, you know, Ash's mom is proud of her son, though, because he made it Viridian City. And the first thing she did was call Professor Oak to tell him. Not Ash's dad or grandfather, though. <laughs> no, no. Well, maybe we'll get into this later. I think there was something happening behind the scenes with Oak and Ash's mom. Oh, snap. I could see that. Uh, I mean, she's home alone, but we, we won't get... This is a children's anime, so we uh, will not... Now my mind is don't. racing. Like, clearly <laughs> Oak knows that his... You know, that Ash is completely incompetent, but for some reason still decides to give him a Pokemon and send him off anyway. Was there, like, some dealings in the background going on? I don't know. You know, maybe Ash's mom was baking him some cookies and, and sending them over. You don't know. There could have been things like that going on. But it was really nice of Oak to also want to check in with Ash. That's true. That's 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 nice, too. I mean, for all the times it seems Oak acts absolutely has no care in the world about Ash's safety, at least in this case he did. But, of course, Ash or Oak also does not ask Ash how or why he ended up in the hospital within a day of leaving home. Ash explains the legendary Pokemon that he saw next, and Oak tells him that he couldn't have possibly seen that because some Pokemon trainers go their whole lives without seeing it. And then without explaining further, he announces that his pizza has been delivered, and he hangs up the phone and goes for his pizza. And that part was actually different in the Japanese version. Okay. Uh, and so the note I have says, Professor Oak abruptly ending his telephone conversation with Ash is different in both versions. In the English version, Oak says that his pizza just arrived. And the doorbell sound was not in the original Japanese version. Interesting. Okay. But in the Japanese version, Oak is realizing that his ramen is overcooking. That's a very, yeah, that is, that actually makes sense that that would be there. I like the pizza thing better, but either way. What they're trying to do is just kind of appeal to American audiences. And we will talk more as episodes go on. They do a lot of that, changing some traditional Japanese foods into American foods. Sure. The most common is Brock. Will, when we meet Brock, he'll, he makes them rice balls, but they always call them donuts. So, so we'll talk a, bit, a lot about that as we go on with the episodes. Sure. Um, as soon as the uh, phone goes off, Ash hears a voice. And then it goes into the Who's That Pokemon segment. So we are going to go into our Who's That Pokemon segment, which this episode, the Who's That Pokemon, was coughing. Okay. Which is kind of uncommon for the Who's That Pokemon, at least during the early episodes, because it was coughing, who does make his debut in this episode. 
but we, but as viewers, we have not seen him yet. Ah, that is true. So, just some basic information on Coughing, whose Japanese name. Now, just so our v- listeners know, I am going to try to pronounce these Japanese names. Don't hold me to them. I'm going to hold you to them. But his Japanese name is Dogars. Uh, so, some information about Coughing. He's number 109. He is a poison-type Pokemon. He is 2 foot tall and weighs 2.2 pounds. So... He looks a lot bigger, but he's just a lot of gas. And that actually goes with his category, like Pikachu was the mouse Pokemon. He is known as the poison gas Pokemon. Uh, and then he evolves into Weezing or Galarian Weezing, if you find him in the in the Galar region, um, at level 35. And how, just some, some stuff that po- coughing is based off of. His name is a corruption of the word coughing. Like, <coughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, his Japanese name is a mixture of bad and poison, which is do or doku in the word gas. Uh, considering its look, its ability to float, and its tendency to explode, coughing may have been based upon a floating naval mine or a living meteorite. It is also based on smog and other forms of pollution. Coughing may also be based on the imagined fear that heavy pollution caused by the leakage and or improper disposal of toxic and or radioactive waste may result in the creation of new and undesirable life forms. Interesting. So what does that mean? Like, he could, like, theoretically create things? Yeah, well, in one of these episodes, we will talk about Weezing. And if you notice, Weezing has a second head. Yes. So... That kind of goes along with that. That background is that that second head came from radioactive waste. Interesting. Okay. Uh, It then has the skull and crossbone symbol under its face is a reference to the real-world toxic hazard symbol. So, the biology of coughing. Coughing is a spherical Pokemon filled with toxic gases. It has vacant eyes and a wide mouth that usually has two pointed teeth in the upper jaw. However, a full set of teeth has been seen in the anime. Below its face is a cream-colored skull and crossbone marking several geyser-like protrusions which usually release a mustard-colored gas cover this Pokemon's body. Its purple skin is very thin and overinflation can cause it to explode. Interesting. So, I just feel like if we would see Pokemon in the real world, like, you could probably see coughing and all the gas swirling around inside of him. Okay, interesting. That would be that would be a terrifying Pokemon in real life. Oh yeah, he would be one of the more terrifying Pokemon. So some Pokedex information coming from the games. The red and blue Pokedex said because it stores several kinds of toxic gases in its body, it is prone to exploding without warning. Okay, that sounds dangerous to carry along with you then. Yep. The Sapphire entry says coughing embodies toxic substances. It mixes the toxins with raw garbage to set up a chemical reaction that results in a terribly powerful poison gas. The higher the temperature, the more gas is concocted by this Pokemon. Okay, sounds even more dangerous. Yep, and then Pokemon Sword says, Its body is full of poisonous gas. It floats into garbage dumps, seeking out the fumes of raw, rotting trash. That sounds kind of serial serial killery. Yeah, if I saw one of these Pokemon in real life, I'm running the other way. Yeah, definitely. This does not sound like my jam. 
Uh, and then I have one little piece of trivia on coughing, and that is in the Pokemon Red and Blue beta, his original name was not coughing. It was Nye, N-Y, uh, because it represented New York City's polluted air. <laughs> Ooh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so its original name in, in the United States was Nye. I can see why they changed that. Yes. Um, Weezing also had a name based off of a city, but we'll talk about that when we get to his Who's That Pokemon segment sometime. Ooh, yeah. I cannot wait to hear it. All right, so let's get back to the episode, Tyler. All right, so uh, the voice that Ash hears uh, after hanging up the phone on Oak is he hears Misty. Misty shows up and begins scolding him for stealing and destroying her bike. Uh, She then falls over further wrecking her own bicycle. So Misty's not having a rock-solid day. I mean, you meet this kid, he steals your bike, and then you don't... He doesn't even bring your bike back to you and doesn't tell you it's destroyed. She's on her way to Viridium City, and she just finds it laying on the side of the road. I know. Uh, She's she's having a terrible day. Uh, But Ash promises to make up for destroying the bike. Misty demands a new bike. Uh, and then immediately goes into another whiny little thing about how Pikachu's severely injured and yada, 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 and, of course, her attitude changed. Again, and, I d- uh, and I've kind of alluded to this before, why is nobody more concerned that he's had this Pokemon for less than a day and it's already in the hospital? Like, I feel like everybody's ignoring this. Everybody he has spoken to while at the hospital has seemed to not care at all that he is, in fact, there uh, because Pikachu was supposedly on the verge of death. Like, I feel like more people should be concerned about this, but I guess that's just what we're going to have to deal with here. Pokemon lives do not matter in the Pokemon universe, apparently. So the nurse then comes out with Pikachu and explains that it was a co- close call, but he will be fine. Uh, she says Ash should go to the recovery room to await with Pikachu, and uh, Misty is still upset, saying that they will settle up later on the bike. And then, boom, the alarm sound off. Also, quick question on that. Misty was not with Ash originally, but the nurse was like, yeah, sure, you come on too. <laughs> you, you come back into this. Yeah, that room. doesn't work that way. Trust me. <laughs> no, especially now, not in the time of COVID. Well, no, but, but even during normal times. Like, you can't just have, like, random strangers... I mean, I, I, I suppose if she was with Ash, maybe they could have assumed. I, I don't know what was going on here, in all honesty. But, you know, it's, it, it, it was kind of odd. For, unfortunately, we didn't have time to see how this whole thing played out because, you know, the alarms began to sound off. And the Team Rocket air balloon has been spotted flying towards the Pokemon Center, which seems like an awful place to hunt for, you know, rare and legendary Pokemon. But, you know, whatever. Um, Jesse and James are upset that they're being labeled as criminals and then go on to explain how they will be stealing Pokemon. So it flashes to the balloon and our two uh, Team Rocket people are, are concerned. They're angry. Oh, they're calling us criminals, yada, yada, yada. And then immediately go into explaining how their sole purpose in life is to steal Pokemon. What? Like, how, how do they reconcile this in their minds that they are, in fact, not criminals? I mean, it's just that old saying where you know you may be doing something illegal but maybe you're doing it for the better good they're just trying to get their boss some exciting i guess but i mean surely in that case you'd be like well maybe people do think i'm a criminal like maybe because i'm actually actively going around stealing people's pokemon 
people would tend to associate us with criminal behavior, but they don't. That this apparently upsets them, and and I do not understand. And then Meowth chimes in. Meowth being their uh, Pokemon companion, uh, chimes in uh, and claims that this will somehow make everyone realize that he is top cat, maybe top Pokemon. I'm not sure what he meant by that. Uh, not sure how that works. Oh, I'm going to help these two people steal people's Pokemon, and that's obviously going to show that I'm special. Uh, and, well, not very far from here. You will find out that he has been replaced as the boss's favorite Pokemon. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, uh, I won't go more into that, but you will kind of get the history behind Meowth. Okay. Uh, so maybe Meowth does, there is a method to Meowth's madness, I guess. Um, but then Team Rocket immediately attacks the Pokemon Center. They throw their Pokeballs in, and at this moment, this is when we officially find out that their name is Jesse and James, and they do their little, like, uh, dance thing. Prepare for yeah, trouble. Yeah, their prepare for trouble dance poem thing. And I just want to point out that th- this is going to be shocking probably to our listeners considering the subject matter. Jeff and I are, in fact, both actually married, and we are both married to Jesse's coincidence i don't know i'm just saying it's kind of interesting how that worked out so you know both Je- both jesse's in there and only one of the but only one of them is evil in real life i will let the listener decide who anyway don't tell our wives we said that i mean i've been forcing mine to listen to this so she'll probably hear it so uh hi jesse you know hope you're not the evil one uh, but Ash is confused and asks what's going on as these two burst into the Pokemon Center. Um, s- he seems initially confused as to what they're actually doing uh, because they just come in and they do this little dance and, and song thing. And then he's like, I have no idea what's going on, which makes sense. I agree with that. And Team Rocket explains that they're there to steal uh, rare Pokemon and send their and, and then they immediately send their Pokemon to attack Ash, Misty, and the nurse. Things are sure heating up at this point. How effective is that? You you crash through the ceiling, you do a poem, then you announce that, oh yeah, I'm also here to do this felony. Yeah, I know, right? It's like do 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 here to commit a felony. Like <laughs> Oh well. So I this may be why they're so inept at their job. Yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons why they're inept at their job, but that is definitely one of them. Uh, over a thousand episodes later, and they're still chasing after trying to get this Pikachu. This so. is true. Uh, well, after after they send out their Pokemon, uh, the three, the Nurse, Misty, and Ash, they take off and escape into a treatment room of some sort where it is revealed that they are powering the entire Pokemon Center with Pikachu laborers. They're literally like... You know, back to back, doing this like little wheelie thing, like almost like a windmill type thing, but instead of wind, it's being pushed by Pokemon, um, a, a generator. Yeah, so they've got like this like crank generator thing going with a bunch of Pikachu's, uh, working. Which does go back to last week's episode where w- they in the Pokemon Sun Pokedex entry they wa- mentioned that they wanted to take a bunch of Pikachus to make a power plant, maybe this is the start of that. That's true. I mean, it's the same day, though, so theoretically it was already happening when they said that. So this must be a common practice in this universe to uh, use the labors of Pikachu to uh, power things, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, and, and and, And once they are in this room, you know, after they burst in and they see the Pikachu creating the power... 
Uh, the nurse calls for backup and begins immediately evacuating Pokemon. Good for her. She's being a hero. And Team Rocket bursts through the door. Um, Ash throws a Pokeball, releasing a random Pokemon. So there's these Pokeballs going by on a conveyor being evacuated, and he just grabs a random one and throws it out. And it, I believe it was a Pidgey that, that, that came out. It was a Pidgey, and they claim it can't do much, and everyone kind of laughs like, ha, 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 you just threw out a Pidgey. Well, first of all, poor Pidgey. Like, you're already in the hospital being treated, now you're being evacuated, and then they throw you out and people start mocking you. Like, but, you know, whatever, I guess. Um, and also ignoring the fact that a Pidgey, that a Pidgey uh, really gave Ash a run for his money the, the just earlier that day. So I don't think Ash has any room to be mocking anything at this point. And... I mean, all Pokemon, it's a low-level Pokemon, but that's where what they're finding at this point in time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then Ash thro- g- grabs another ball, he throws it. There's nothing. So he grabs another one, he throws it, and it's a Rattata. A r- Rattata? Rattata? Rattata. Rattata, Rattata. yes. All right, and uh, Misty, a- and of course that doesn't go well either. Like, ha-ha, Rattata, at this starter-level Pokemon Center in the first town you encounter. Um, and then Misty's. Misty. Oh, good old Misty. She steps in and she throws a to- Pokeball and Team Rocket basically uh, immediately starts talking about her appearance. Apparently, I, I believe Jesse at some point says that she's very, what, pretty or something like that. Um, but pathetic. She yeah, then pretty, throws that goes, in there. Oh, you're very pretty. Pretty pathetic. And Misty oh, I forgot about that. And then Misty's just like, well, at least you got one part right. Ooh, I wonder which it is. Uh, that's very sassy. Good for her. But anyway, so she she steps up being a hero, and I'm I got good feelings about Misty at this point. And then the Pokeball that she throws opens, and it was a Golding. It of course does nothing but flop around on the floor. Um, and Misty then just out of nowhere, while everyone's just kind of standing there in like shocked silence, goes, "He can't do anything because he can't fight on land." Then and why did you? Throw it out there. Why did you do that? Well, fortunately for us, she immediately explains why she does that. She loudly exclaims that Ash needs to run and that this whole ploy was to distract Team Rocket. And so Ash takes off. I just kind of want to go over that. Yep. She had a plan in her head, but her yep. problem is she didn't She didn't explain it to anyone else in the room. No, n- nobody. Nobody knew what she was doing. And in, in a sense, maybe it was the perfect distraction because it was distracting in but an awkward also, kind of way. It was also distracting to her own team members. That's true. She did, went a little too hard with the distraction. She rolled and She rolled a d20 on that one. As, as we know in later episodes, she has adept Pokemon at fighting on land. Yes, she does. I even remembered that. Um, and so why she didn't actually try to fight Team Rocket and provide more time, possibly, uh, we will never know. Um, but the plan was terrible. I, I mean, I was really feeling Misty there for a sec. I was like, all right, she, Ash is clearly not doing a good job with this. Misty steps up. She's ready to go. She throws a little quip back at Jesse when Jesse makes the comment about her being pretty pathetic. And and I'm and I'm feeling good. I'm like, all right, here we go. This is gonna be awesome. And then she completely lets me down in every way. And it was a terrible plan. Fortunately, at this point, uh, the Pikachu laborers step in and decide that they are going to, in fact, shock Team Rocket. And it is revealed that Ash's Pikachu is among them. Yes, and this point made me. This part made me laugh out loud because 
We have Ash talking to Pikachu, but Tyler, do you remember how Ash was talking to Pikachu? No, I don't. So Pikachu jumps up and goes, Pika P! And then Ash looks at him and goes, Pika Pikachu? <laughs> like he knew what he was saying. <laughs> I did not. I completely missed that. Yeah, and like, and oh then, my gosh. And then Pikachu points over at the bike and Ash got the idea. Yeah. Which, so he runs over to the bike and he's going to help it. I don't know how this works. The bike's already destroyed. He's going to use it to intensify all the Pikachu's electricity. Uh, yeah, I guess. He jumps on the bike upside down. Yeah, I th- none of this is making any sense. I'm th- I imagine your team rocket in this scenario. Like this has just been a bewildering attack. Like you have no idea what's going on. You've crashed into this Pokémon Center. It's just been madness from start to finish. Yeah, so so yeah, so he uses the bike to shock Team Rocket. Yes, he does. Um now this this is fairly effective, but it does not seem to phase Meowth because Meowth is not deterred and continues to come forward. Pikachu explains he needs more power. So Ash begins to pedal the bike. This like exercise bike or something like that. No, it was Misty's bike. Oh, it was Misty's bike. Okay, That's so it was, it was Misty's so bike. Misty's All right. broken bike and he was riding it upside down. That's right, yes. So he, he so he begins pedaling this bike. I was just so enthralled at this point that I missed that detail. And Pikachu then immediately uses this power, and he shocks all of them with a massive explosion that reaches up into the sky. And yes. destro- it appears to destroy the entire Pokemon Center and possibly a city block or two in the process. So, yes. So this scene got changed because, and we will get to it, at some point, uh, one thing that Tyler and I wanted to make sure that we do is we even watch the episodes that did not air in the United States. Yep. So, and this isn't really spoilers because everyone knows episode 38. You may not know the episode title, but it was the one that caused all those seizures in Japan. Interesting. I do vaguely remember hearing about that back in the day. Yeah, and so we're not going to get into details on that now. We will get into details when we reach that episode in 36 weeks. So I'm going to be watching an episode that gives people seizures. At least we know it's coming, so you can look away at that point. I mean, I have to look at it. It's like someone telling you not to look at the sun. You're going to look at the sun. You know what, Tyler? You do you. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'll report in on that. Or or if you don't, I'll, it'll just become a solo podcast. Let's there we go. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, we were we were really rocking and rolling, and then Tyler just had to watch the uh, seizure stuff and the and the banned episodes. So what happens is, in that episode, Pikachu sends out electric shock, and it's flashing red and blue lights that cause the seizure. They flash oh. way too fast. I see. In this episode, when it goes to the four panels of all four Team Rocket and their Pokemon, and it's changing slowly in the original version of this episode it actually flashed between all four all the members quickly okay but in later broadcasts of this episode and any international broadcast so we never got the flashing the fast flashing uh scenes they changed it because they didn't want to have a seizure 
seizure-inducing stuff in their show. Yeah, again. Okay, <laughs> again. All right. So, um, so anyway, after the city block is destroyed, it, we flash the team rocket. They've somehow managed to escape. Not sure how. Uh, but they're floating away on their nearly disabled balloon, hanging onto a rope below it. Um, they vow at this moment that they need to capture this particularly special Pikachu. And now we finally, for the first time, have an adequate motive for a character in this show. We know what's driving Team Rocket. I'm not sure why, but it is driving them. Yes. I don't know. This episode really didn't show how this Pikachu is so much stronger than any other Pikachu. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, like I said, it's not, like, clear why they decided to fixate on this Pikachu. I mean, we kind of get the idea that, they, that, he, that he obviously showed them something that they were impressed with. But uh, at least we have a motive. Maybe not super strong, but it's stronger than any other motive we have in this entire thing. Other than Ash wanting to be the number one Pokemon trainer. Uh, but that's it. Like, that's all we've got. And that's obviously not happened. He hasn't even caught a Pokemon before the first city. Nope. Uh, after we see uh, Team Rocket floating away, we flash to the ruins of the Pokemon Center. The nurse is just, like, sitting in the rubble at her desk, uh, powering, uh, you know, talking to her sister, another nurse, explaining that the Pokemon were safely evacuated to Pewter City. So, good. I was worried when I saw the whole city block explode that they just, like, you know, wiped out a bunch of injured Pokemon off the face of the earth in order to prevent, like, one or two of them from being stolen. Though, we don't know what happened to that Pidgey Rattata they used. Oh, my gosh, we don't. Well, take that back. I think the Rattata was recalled, but that Pidgey ran away. That Good for that Pidgey. I mean, I would have run away, too. Like, you're having a bad day already, and then people start mocking you when you come out and are like, all right, I'm ready to go. I'd take off, too. I'd be like, forget all of y'alls. I'm out of here. And good for him if he if he managed to avoid that explosion. But everyone else in the room seemed to survive, including the desk with the computer on it. So it couldn't have been, like, that bad of, you know, direct on-the-spot damage. Um, and the nurse, as she's talking to her sister, explains that uh, Ash's group is headed that way. And they can take care of themselves in these woods that they're headed into. Um, what so has I th shown her that Ash can take care of himself? I don't know. Nothing. Nobody at any point has been given any reason to believe that Ash can take care of himself. I mean, Pikachu, maybe. You know, Pikachu seems to be able to handle his own. Uh, but um, Ash, no. Absolutely not. Not yet, anyway. Hopefully that will change. Um, but there, th she explains that they're headed through the woods, and then we flash to the woods where Ash, Misty, and Pikachu are on their way through the forest. Ash encounters a caterpillar, and Misty's grossed out because it's a bug, which is rude. You know, it's not like a regular insect where they can't understand what you're doing. Like this caterpillar is probably very much aware that Misty's, you know, dissing it. Yeah, most Pokemon seem to understand he English speak. They do. It's not like me going up to a spider in real life going, you're ugly. It's not going to have any idea what I'm doing. But this Caterpie did, and I feel for it. There's a lot of like Pokemon bullying going on in this episode of the starter Pokemon, or the starter area Pokemon, I should say. Um, but, you know, so a Ash then sees the Caterpie after Misty gives, a, gives it a good dissin. Ash whips out a Pokeball, saying that this will be a piece of cake, because, of course, apparently he can catch this Pokemon easy again. Not something that Caterpie probably wants to hear on this fine day that it was having prior to encountering this group. 
and he throws the peak the pokeball. Also, he doesn't try to battle it again. No, he didn't learn from the other day. Uh, and honestly, in all honesty, though, we've had an improvement since he didn't try to throw a rock at it or anything. That that's true. So small improvements. We're getting there. Uh, but he takes out the pokeball. He throws it, and it freezes. To be continued floats across the screen. There was no, like, 90s soap opera music this time, but I felt it in my heart that it was supposed to be there. I know. What's going to happen? Is he going to catch this Caterpie? Will the Caterpie get breaking out? Will the Spearow come back and attack them? You can find out next week. That is true. We can. We will find out for sure. And that's that for that episode. That's episode two. Yeah, and it was a fun episode. I really enjoyed it. There, I love that it introduced Team Rocket. Team Rocket was always my favorite characters in the anime. Yeah, you know, I, I was always more partial to the Pokemon itself, but I could definitely see the allure of Team Rocket because there's just a lot going on in that dynamic, and uh, we'll have to delve into that in a later episode. Yeah, for sure. And so that's it, everyone. That is our the end of our second episode. So... I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like, as I said before, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or any of the podcast services that we are found on. And then tune in next week where we will be watching Episode 3, Ash Catches a Pokemon. (gasps) Spoiler! Spoiler!